Hi, and welcome to Drug Bites, the pharmacology podcast from MedChutes. In today's special episode, we're going to discuss the pharmacological aspects of treating COVID-19. In particular, we're going to focus on the antivirals that have been trialled to help prevent uh, worsening of illness. We're going to discuss some of the evidence uh, and also some of the contraindications. Before we start, I'd like to just make a quick announcement. The COVID-19 pandemic has had a huge effect on all aspects of life. And in particular, the suspension of clinical placements and the suspension of lectures and classes by various medical schools has meant that a lot of students are now studying online and may be feeling isolated and finding it hard to get to the information that they need. If you're struggling with any concepts and you're struggling to get the answers that you require, please get in contact with the MedChutes team. You can do that via Twitter, Facebook, Reddit, YouTube, or our email, medchute at gmail.com. You can also do it via the website, www.medchutes.wordpress.com. Get in touch with us and let us know what content you want us to make. MedChutes wants to help as much as we can during this pandemic and we're going to increase the amount of content that we're producing over the next few weeks. We've got a few ideas lined up, but we want to make sure it's relevant to you. So get in touch and let us know what you want to hear. I'd also like to note that there's a lot of people doing a lot of brave things at the moment and a lot of people making a lot of hard decisions. And I want to take a quick moment to say thank you to everyone who's working on this outbreak uh, and trying to resolve it as quickly as they can and as safely as they can. A lot of sleepless nights are being had and I really want to say thank you and I understand that everyone, although they are making difficult decisions, are doing so with their best interest of patients, students uh, and the public in general in mind. I'd also like to make a quick note that the MedShoots YouTube page has got a few videos on COVID. Just uh, this morning I published a new video on an update on COVID-19 and what it means to flatten the curve. It'd be really good to check that out if you haven't already. You can do that on YouTube just by searching MedChutes. Okay, let's get started. I will preface this by saying that this area is rapidly updating. Uh, There are lots and lots of papers being released at the moment. Not all of them are accurate and several of them are being redacted following their release. So because this is a rapidly updating field, there is a good chance that the information will change over the coming few months. This is accurate at the time based on the publications that are currently available. I've also based a lot of this information on information gained through MCRIT and the Internet Book of Critical Care. If you go to the show notes for this episode, which are available at www.medchutes.wordpress.com forward slash podcasts, there is a list of resources, including several MCRIT Uh, pages and a few papers from which I've gathered this information. The resource in particular that I'll draw your eye to is mcrit.org forward slash IBCC slash COVID-19. This is an excellent resource because it's been constantly updated with uh, good quality evidence on how to manage the COVID outbreak. So I would recommend that to be your go-to during uh, these difficult times. I'm going to try and present a summary based partly on the MCRIT guidelines and partly on what I've found just uh, 
from a few papers that have been recently published. In particular, one of the papers I'm referencing today was only published, I think, either last night or this morning, so it's very new. Keep in mind as well that a lot of these studies are based either on the SARS outbreak in 2002 or they have significant limitations based on uh, patient recruitment, being, not being able to conduct blinded studies, and the fact that this is going on in the middle of a pandemic. So there's a lot of confounders currently, and that's why some of the data can be a bit difficult to interpret. So to describe what the what's going on, SARS coronavirus 2 is the virus which causes the clinical syndrome known as COVID-19. SARS coronavirus 2 utilizes the ACE2 receptor to enter into cells, and then it utilizes a number of proteins in order to allow its replication within the cell. These include proteases, and by chance, I guess, some of these prote proteases share structural similarity to some of the proteases utilized by HIV viruses. This similarity, although it's not identical by any means, it allows the SARS coronavirus 2 proteases to be partially inhibited by some of the drugs that we use in the treatment and prevention of HIV and AIDS. We discovered this connection during the SARS outbreak, and a lot of the drugs that we use to treat SARS we're now testing in the fight against COVID-19 because SARS coronavirus 2 and the original SARS coronavirus share a lot of similarities. They're quite genetically similar uh, and have similar targets, similar mechanisms of action. The main antivirals gaining a lot of traction at the moment are lopinavir, ritonavir, a combination that's commonly used. They're both protease inhibitors uh, used in the treatment of HIV. Lopinavir is the one that has the predominant protease effect, and ritonavir is used in combination as a, a pharmacokinetic enhancer. It modulates the cytochrome P450 enzymes in the liver and prevents the breakdown of lopinavir, allowing it to have a longer mechanism of action. There is also a combination being used with ribavirin, and this is based on a study I'll chat about a little bit later. There currently isn't a lot of data on it, but it was, it's based on a study um, from the 2002 SARS outbreak where the combination of lopinavir, ritonavir, and ribavirin was shown to be more efficacious than ribavirin alone. I'll also mention that because this is a time of crisis, we're treating sick patients by throwing the kitchen sink at them. That means that when with the studies that are coming out, even if there isn't a huge or a statistically significant benefit in administrating these medicines, as long as there isn't significant harms, it's likely to continue. Because even if in only some patients there is some effect, that's better than nothing, especially when we're dealing with really sick patients, like what we're seeing in a minority of cases of COVID-19. And until we develop better antivirals that are specifically targeted for COVID-19, we're likely to just throw everything we've got at them. I will also mention that very few patients with COVID-19 are requiring antivirals at this stage. Most of them require supportive care similar for other cases of viral pneumonia. The antivirals are predominantly being reserved for very sick patients in the ICU who require extensive care and who are very, very sick. They're the main patients we're using these in. The key side effect of the combination of ritonavir and lapinavir appears to be mainly gastrointestinal. 
There's a paper by, I hope I say it's right, Cow et al. That is the one that got released uh, just this morning in the New England Journal of Medicine. It cites higher levels of gastrointestinal adverse effects in the lopinavir-ritonavir group compared with standard care in a randomized controlled trial coming out of China. The same paper also demonstrated that there was less severe adverse effects in the lopinavir-ritonavir group compared with the standard group. This might be biased, however, because in the lopinavir-ritonavir treatment group, the treatment was stopped early in 13 of the 99 patients due to adverse events, which may have skewed some of the data. Key contraindications to treatment with the two protease inhibitors are people with cardiac disease and liver disease. This is because there is potential for severe side effects in, in regards to QT prolongation, AV block, and hepatotoxicity. So if you are going to use it in these patients, you need to be very, very careful. It also makes it difficult because we are seeing uh, some liver, uh, liver damage in the coronavirus patients, in the COVID-19 patients with transaminitis uh, and other indicators of liver damage. If the two protease inhibitors are being used, it's important to watch for transaminase rises and also to be very aware that it has the ability to prolong the QT interval and cause heart block. The evidence for lopinavir, ritonavir and ribavirin comes from a paper from 2004 by Chu et al. It showed in vitro efficacy against SARS and the effect of lopinavir was substantially boosted when you co-administered it with the ribavirin. At the time that this is being made, I couldn't find any data on using the triple therapy for COVID-19 specifically. However, I would assume that there are some studies currently being conducted, and I would recommend you checking out the Internet Book of Critical Care for further information on those trials as they come out. In the SARS outbreak, however, that triple therapy resulted in statistically significant reductions in ARDS or death compared with the ribavirin-only group for SARS in 2002. So that's the kind of basis for the protease inhibitor antiviral medications currently being used in this epidemic, in this pandemic, I should say. There are some other interesting papers which have come out recently as well. There's a paper by Fang et al., which was released as well in 2020, and that looked at whether patients with diabetes had an increased risk of infection with SARS coronavirus 2 due to upregulation of the ACE2 receptor. The study found that uh, there are drugs that also increase the expression of ACE2, uh, and that included ibuprofen, which you remember from our NSAID talk. It's a very commonly used NSAID, uh, also known as uh, Nurofen uh, and many other trade names. Because coronavirus 2, SARS coronavirus 2, uses ACE2 to enter into cells and ibuprofen increases expression of ACE2, there is theoretically an increased risk of infection, but it's very important to emphasize that this is a theoretical risk and there's currently no data to suggest this is actually the case. Just something that's happening. And as I say, it's important to remember that uh, many papers are being published at the moment. It doesn't necessarily mean that all of them um, are accurate, that all of them are applicable. At this stage, some health organizations have recommended against the use of ibuprofen, especially because we have other drugs that are efficacious at reducing these symptoms, such as paracetamol. So until we have further information on this, it's kind of like a keep it in mind, watch this space kind of message, I guess. 
there's also some data to suggest that chloroquine and hydroxychloroquine are typically used to manage malaria. Um, they also have some benefit in COVID-19 patients because they're anti-inflammatory and they modulate the ACE2 receptor. This is discussed in more depth in the Internet Book of Critical Care chapter, uh, which I've listed in the resources in the podcast notes. That's going to be uh, covered more in depth there and it will also be updated more regularly as information comes out on this. At this stage, I couldn't find any papers which discussed it. So, to kind of give a real quick summary of that, the main drugs that are currently being used uh, to manage very sick patients uh, with COVID-19 are a combination treatment of protease inhibitors known as lopinavir, ritonavir. The key things to know is that it does increase the the frequency of gastrointestinal adverse effects in patients with COVID-19, and contraindications to its treatment include cardiac disease and liver disease, and you must monitor for these side effects when administering this treatment. It's important to remember that we're using a kitchen sink approach with these very sick patients. They're getting basically anything we can offer them until we develop better drugs which specifically target SARS coronavirus 2. The key message from today, I guess, is to try and stay up to date with what's going on. The Internet Book of Critical Care, I've spruced it a lot in this podcast, and I'll say it again, it's an excellent resource. It's what I'm using to try and stay abreast of this situation, being constantly updated, and the team behind that should be really proud of what they're doing. So keep an eye on that. Check out the, sh- the resources in the show notes. And uh, keep an eye on MedChutes and Drug Bites. We're going to keep producing content as quickly as we can make it uh, to try and support your learning uh, while there's a disruption to classes. Thanks very much for listening. Any questions, please get in touch. Otherwise, we'll see you next time. Moving like the scars aren't even there It's in the air like a blazing flare